You're listening to The Doers Podcast, right here on The Doers Network. And now, here's your host, Donald Robinson II. Welcome, everyone, to The Doers Network. I'm Donald Robinson II, your host. And a special treat for you all on the line, I have Mr. Doug Song, co-founder and co-creator of Duo Security, wonderful two-factor authentication technology company. And that's just a small part of what they do. And we're going to get into some of that in a few moments. So, Doug, how you doing, sir? Doing well, thank you. How you doing? Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Now, first off, I'd like to say congratulations to you and the team for being acquired by Cisco Systems. Great things ahead. Uh, big, big, big opportunities there. So congratulations, sir, and wishing the best for you all and the team. Thank you. I'm very, very proud of what we've uh, been able to accomplish and very proud of the team. Excellent. So to get started off, Doug, let's talk about Doug Song, who you are. What's your background of experience and how did you get involved with technology and, and that and that kind of thing? Uh, long story short, I guess uh, I grew up in uh, my, my dad had a liquor store in, in Baltimore, Maryland. And so uh, I grew up learning computers because I had to work in his store doing all the inventory management. So data entry when I was uh, eight years old um, got me into computers. But from there, uh, I got into security because I grew up uh, basically in the shadow uh, of the NSA. So, um, you know, where we were, it's pretty much a bedroom community of the NSA. About a third of my neighbors all worked at the agency. Okay. And back in those days, before the internet, we were all, uh, you know, dialing into BBSs and stuff. But yeah, that's how I got into computers originally. And then I uh, got into security and um, ended up coming out to Michigan for school and uh, decided to stay. Where'd you go to school at? Uh, well, at the University of Michigan, and then uh, came to Ann Arbor for uh, for all that. Um, thought I would major actually in philosophy, uh, and I kind of did that. I spent <laughs> spent about uh, well, actually five years in school, so it took me a little longer than uh, than I guess most other folks might do it. But I was uh, paying my way through school, um, uh, doing a degree uh, in the residential college, as well as doing computer science. So uh, ultimately, ended up. Uh, finishing up and then uh, just doing uh, companies right after that. Okay. What, what got you going with uh, an interest in computer science? How did you get to that, to that type of field? Well, you know, since, since I was little, I was always in, I was always doing computers. Um, you know, I was always very interested in, in security and hacking and, and so forth. And, and uh, well, long story short, I had a sense of kind of what Michigan's network looked like from when I was in high school. So, um, coming out to visit, uh, I realized that, you know, there's a lot of resources here. My dad actually went to a, a University of Iowa, and he had always told me, you know, it's better to go to a, you know, a big state school, um, a big research university where there's lots of resources available to you and you know, lots of different kind of people to meet. And uh, and I'm glad I did. You know, I, I otherwise thought I might end up on the East Coast going to some small liberal arts college, but I sort of got my fill of that in the residential college at Michigan, and then um, also had all of the computer network here uh, at my disposal. So, um, yeah, I feel blessed to have been part of a uh, you know, journey that led me through to Michigan, and um, not just for school, but, you know, uh, for family and for work now. Okay. So so what happened with the, what, what was the birth of dual security? How did that happen? Yeah, dual was uh, in a culmination of some experience that I had um, doing companies before that. So straight out of college, I was 
a security consultant. Um, you know, I did a bunch of uh, uh, security work for uh, banks in New York, uh, some Vegas casinos, sort of strange, okay. strange work, but it was fun. And uh, I realized that there was not, not it was going to be difficult to scale uh, services, right? Just doing, um, you know, consulting. And so we built some products instead. Those products scaled really quickly. Um, in fact, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, joined me at that first company, and she tripled sales uh, of, our, of our very product. And I realized that it's a lot easier. So it's a lot easier to scale products. You know, you build them once, and um, if they're digital products, you know, like software, you can just sell them over and over again. You know, <laughs> without having to, you know, kind of recreate everything. So, so anyway, it was very successful, and we built that company. Ended up selling that product off to a company that. Um, is bought by uh, ultimately a public company called Checkpoint. Okay. And we started Arbor Networks, a company that sold at the high end of the market, you know, to, to big banks, you know, big global carriers, internet service providers, and uh, kind of the 1% right, of buyers in the industry. Mm-hmm. And um, after seven years there, we kind of locked up that entire market. Um, sold on pretty much every single global carrier, uh, all the global financials. And, um, and so I got... To be honest, I'm tired of that, and I moved on to go do something different. Uh, a company called Barracuda Networks, which is completely opposite end of the market, right? Way down, this, you know, servicing small companies um, that only had an average of 20 employees or so. And so we had tens of thousands of those kind of customers. Anyway, so the duo story is kind of a Goldilocks story: not too hot, not too cold. Okay. Um, we thought that we would service companies uh, sort of in the middle, you know, that were, you know big enough that they had lots of security problems to deal with, but small enough that they didn't have all the resources, including human resources, right, to solve those problems. And so uh, we built a much simpler solution that was uh, much more powerful, right, for those kind of mid-market companies uh, to achieve security. But it turned out that everybody needs, you know, simpler, more powerful uh, products and security. And, um, and that ended up building Duo, a company that now stretches across the smallest companies to the biggest companies, and, uh, and everything in between. Okay. And then um, in terms of Duo, what is Duo Security as far as a company? What 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 are, what are all the services that you all provide? Yeah, so we're, we're a product company. Uh, we don't offer any services per se. We offer uh, what we call software as a service. Okay. So uh, SaaS, um, as the acronym goes. But uh, our, our customers pay us a subscription fee, right? So every um, month or year, uh, they pay us a, a subscription to have us protect them from attacks. And um, the kind of attacks that we protect them against are ones that typically target their people. Okay. Um, and increasingly in, in these days, you know, smart attackers that are trying to go after data, well, they do that not by sort of trying to hack your firewalls or get through all your systems necessarily. Um, the easiest path to that is, is, is actually your people and the fact that I can send somebody an email that um, convinces them to enter their password in a website that's not actually real. Okay. I can steal their password and then log in as them. And uh, we protect against that via what we call two-factor authentication. Um, or they might send, also typically via email, a targeted piece of malware, right? A piece of software that you might inadvertently install on your computer that then takes over that computer and gives access to uh, the attacker. So anything that you can do, the attacker can do. Wow. And so those kind of attacks are pretty straightforward and the simplest ways that, that folks get in the door. Um, 
but almost every major breach that you've heard of in the news, right? All these big breaches of, you know, the government or, you know, the companies and so forth, they all tend to start that way. Okay. Right? It's almost always a major target attack. And so that's, that's what we've made really easy for companies, big and small, to, to protect themselves against. That's great. So, so Doug, would you say that, like, for example, because um, I worked in local government for a number of years, and I know because you're a big organization, you get these phishing emails, these 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 different, you know, spam emails. W- would you say that a lot of companies, that's how, like when you, we saw in the news about breaches and stuff, is that is that the most common way that, that hackers breach it is through the emails or is it other, other varied amount of sources? Yeah, e- email is a very typical vector, but it also includes things like uh, so-called drive-by uh, sort of hacking of, um, you know, these kind of water and coal attacks where, you know, um, fake websites and things like this people might land on, and those websites will be set up to exploit your uh, your computer. Okay. Um, but however that happens, it, it is typically the case that, you know, I think 95% of breaches all involve a stolen password. Um, and 75% of breaches all involve a, a compromised computer. Yeah, and so um, you know these these user targeted attacks, uh, whether against you know identities or devices. I mean, this this is always how folks get in these days, because um, over the last twenty years we built up all the rest of the network based defenses to protect against, you know, protect our websites, protect our networks, and all that kind of stuff. But we have not spent as much time or effort designing security that can actually defend people, and that's that's really where Duo has uh, succeeded. Okay. Well, I can see um, from the your beginnings how everything was growing, and and, and uh, you know, like you say, your wife helped triple sales. That's incredible. That's remarkable, man. And to be able to on that, be on that trajectory from, since almost the beginning of your career is 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 great and astounding, you know. And oh, because the thing is, how long has Duo Security been in, in existence? Yeah, we started Duo back in 2010, and so uh, you know, we launched the company really in, in January 2010. Okay. And it's been a good eight years now that we've been doing it. Okay. So, and then in terms of your team, it's because I've been, you know, since you and I met, I've been looking at your track record. It's just, it's, it's a situation that I think any entrepreneur ideally would want to be in where you got massive growth. You you created such a, a great culture with, with people and people enjoy working there. It's like, you know, I have a family based atmosphere What's your philosophy on in terms of running and leading a company? What What are some of the the nuggets of assets like like what you've learned in terms of running a business? What What helps a business grow? And it's it's kind of hard to I know it's hard to explain a little bit, but in terms of your culture, can you explain a little bit how you help build that culture to maintain where to where it is now? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, well, I think you know uh, most businesses, you know, in the culture. Of organizations tend to you know, tie somewhat to um, the tone from the top, right? Set by its leaders, or um, again, sort of the founding principles of it. I think you know, I mean, you described it as feeling like a family. I think yeah. it's true that we're caring organization, but we don't really call ourselves a family per se. Um, reason why is because um, you know, families are dysfunctional. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. a single family that doesn't have some kind of issues. Where, uh, you know, you got your weird uncle that, you know, right, right. You, you tolerate a lot of behavior from family that you would never tolerate, right, from any other context. Right. And so it's, we call ourselves a team, right? And I think, you know, culture comes from where you're from. Um, here in Michigan, and particularly in Ann Arbor, you know, the, the culture that exists in Ann Arbor is, you know, 
it's a culture of learning, right? That's what this place is about. Yeah. And so, like I said, I, I don't think that, you know, as a team, we're any smarter, we don't work any harder, you know, we don't, um, you know, we're not better looking. And I think the one thing that we are, we are, we would do better than any other organization that we have to compete against is that we learn faster, new rounds of success that our competitors won't. And so we were able to innovate because we approach things as a team. And I think, you know, that, that comes from, you know, and I'm a commitment to learning together, but also I think, you know, the other thing that Michigan's about, right? The team, the team, the team, right? Yeah. Ocean Buckies, right? yeah. You know, it's, you win as a team, lose the team, nothing else matters. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's true in life and in business. Um, you know, we, uh, we don't tolerate, you know, the, the, the kind of dysfunction that other folks do. And um, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. And so, <clears throat> you know, I think, you know, we're, we're as an organization, we're on something of a, of a moral mission, right? We're, we're out to basically help, you know, increase social good, right, in this world. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we exist to protect others from harm. That's, that's what a security company does. And so I think, you know, in that mission, you know, it's pretty, you know, uh, tough, tough calling, right? Um, I wouldn't say exactly a thankless job, but it's kind of thing where, you know, we sort of, you know, put up with a bunch of stuff sure. that we have to deal with um, on, on the behalf of our customers that, you know, it's difficult, you know, attacks coming from left and right, yep. um, constantly elevated sort of threat profile that we have to protect, you know, our customers against. And um, so there's a lot of integrity in what we do, which means that we, we have to do the right thing, even when nobody's looking. <clears throat> and then in, in the service of protecting those customers so they can accomplish their missions, yeah. you know, we, we have to be thoughtful about what is it they're trying to accomplish. And so you know, empathy is a big part of, of our journey and thinking about, well, what is it that they're trying to do? You know, how do we make this stuff simpler for them and make sure that, you know, in their daily lives and in their work, yeah. um, the way that we can actually secure them is to simplify what, what is it they do and make you know, all their lives easier. And so that's, that's a large second kind of pillar, you know, making things easy. Yeah. And then I think third for us really is, you know, it really is around that simplicity, right? Like how can we, how can we drive to um, focus on the, the problems that are most pressing for these customers to solve and, um, and do it in the most effective ways. Right. And in security, there's a lot of stuff that's out there that's not, you know, it's kind of flashy, but it doesn't really solve the problem. It's more like these other companies, they admire the problem. Like, look how smart these attackers are. You're never going to beat them or, you know, it's all right. very fatalistic. Right. It's not a matter of if, but when you're going to be hacked. And, you know, we, we sort of say that's, that's just sort of nonsense. You know, I think, um, you know, we can and need to do better. Um, and we exist really to protect our customers from harm. So we can't just sort of give up and say, well, you know, we're just here to clean up after the attacks right. happen, right? That's, that's what a lot of companies say, you know, you have right. to do now. Right. Know, and respond. And, you know, I, I think really an ounce of, an ounce of prevention is, is worth the pound, pound of cure. Yeah. So, so our focus has always been, you know, to democratize security, to make security something that every organization in the world can achieve by making it easy and effective. Because for the most part, you know, security is difficult. Yeah. It's hard to do. It's uh, it's kind of one of these problems that you know you don't really know if you solved or not because the evidence is that nothing happens, right? right. <laughs> so, 
a bad vendor can sell you a box, you put it in your network and it doesn't do anything. And they say, see, you're more secure. Nothing's happening. <laughs> right. The customer says, well, nothing was happening before you came here, put that box in the network. What did I just buy? And so every day, you know, I think we believe that we have to earn it right from, from our customers and we have to demonstrate our value and we have to help defend them <clears throat> in ways that, and help them understand the risks in ways that, you know, they otherwise can't do themselves. Right. Um, and so it's a, it's a different approach, again, how we think about the problem and how we've kind of set out to do that. Sure. I think some other things in terms of our culture, you know, that I think are um, maybe a bit, you know, different or unique to us. You know, most of my background comes from open source. So before I did any companies, I was an open source software author. I wrote free software, right? Okay. Um, with a bunch of folks. And we're all volunteering our time to to do this. Um and even now, I think of my team at Duo as basically a bunch, bunch of volunteers. Like no one has to be a Duo. There are tons of companies you could go and get a paycheck from. Um, but here, you know, we're all part of this journey because we, we believe that we are part of a longer and larger and more important, you know, journey, right? Um, you know, that we're on for our customers and, and really for what we're trying to do for the world. And so, um, you know, the important thing has been to try to leverage you know, the skills, the experience, the backgrounds, frameworks, mental models that people bring to bear joining a company like Duo and try to integrate that in a way that, you know, leverages that diversity of thought. You know, that, that diversity forms of strength, you know, when, when people come to Duo, they're here because they, they, they bring something to the table that we might not have had before. And it's that difference, right, that allows us to create new ideas sure. and synthesize better approaches that our competitors won't because they, they think about stuff in maybe ways that are like less interesting. Yeah. Um, sometimes a little more cookie cutter. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're very, uh, we're very intent on, on understanding how at a company like Duo and an organization is, is sort of broad as there's as diverse as we are in terms of our perspectives, skill sets and so forth. You know, we can turn that kind of creative conflict, right? Really into creativity yeah. and friction. And that, that requires some some real you know skill um, and dedication, uh, a shared set of values right that we all um, uphold. But uh, like we say, we don't we don't hire for cultural fit. We really hire for cultural contribution. Okay. But every person we hire has to come with a shared set of values that are a commitment to each other, right? About how we we work together and how we actually um, you know innovate. Yeah, it sounds like you really have a defined you know, in terms of somebody coming in, like you say, con contributing to the culture and contributing their skills and talents. Is, is one thing I like what, what you said is that you're really having it where you come into the table, it's a wide open field. You can create an opportunity for yourself here this in this space. And I think the problem with a lot of companies, especially when they get too big to fail, you lose a lot of that, especially in corporate culture. Um, and I, I admire the fact that you all still have the, the nimble philosophy you, you're able to still be nimble even though you're growing larger and, and it seems like that that whole philosophy is the core one of the core values of the whole structure of your of your company and that i think hopefully that that'll stay intact for a long long time and as long as you have that i mean you're just going to keep growing um and the other thing i wanted to ask you too is in your experience what are some of the life lessons in growing duo security in your pat and also your in your past experience? What what are some of the life lessons you learned in building your career and company? Yeah, well, I think 
um, you know, gr growth, well, you know, growth creates opportunity, but, you know, it's a sort of the, also what goes both ways, right? In order to grow, you have to present opportunity for yeah. folks, for yeah. folks innovate. Because, you know, growth only happens, I think, in my opinion. I mean, again, I, there are many ways to be successful in business, right, and in life. Um, but we, we just choose very intentionally how we, how we want to grow. We choose to grow through innovation, right? <clears throat> that we, we, we want to see that every, in every aspect of our business, the ways in which we operate are highly differentiated, right? We have pioneered new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things, all the way down to, again, even how we bill customers, how we, you know, work with them on legal contracts, right, it's in, in agreements, um, how we market to them, how, we, how, how they find us, try our, try our products, how we sell to them, and, and how we support them. I mean, every aspect of our business, there's something different, right, um, that we're able to bring to bear that really, again, creates a lot of uh, affinity or love, really, for our, for our, our, our company um, and how we do business. And so in order to do that, we have to see innovation all across every different aspect of what we do. And to have that innovation, you have to push decision-making down. Yeah. Right. Most of this company I don't make. Right. If I, you know, there's no way that we'd ever be successful if I, if I did. Right. Um, because reality at the end of the day exists outside the four walls of our building. You know, it's the people that are, that are on the front lines of our business that are closest to the problems to be solved. Yeah. And have everything they need. Right. To be able to solve that if we just give them the opportunity. And so that's really the way that we operate. You know, like you said, we push decision making down. Um, we make decisions quickly and fast. Um, because, you know, we, as we say, we have, we have three corporate values. We engineer the business, as we say. We learn together. And that we have to be kind and necessary. Yeah. Those, things, those things go together, right? That we engineer the business by taking lots of chances, trying things, you know. And as we say, we either win or we, or we learn, right? Right. That's, that's one of the other, right? And, you know, if there isn't some degree of ambient failure in the business, we aren't, we aren't trying hard enough. But it's that learning and together that allows us to drive the business forward right towards those solutions again that others don't find. Um, and being kind of necessary, it's about going out of way to help each other be successful. Yeah. And like we say, you know, in any given decision that we make, you know, like in any meeting we're in, you know, someone might say, so who's got that? Right. And someone will raise your hand and say, okay, I got that. And we'll turn around and say, okay, well, what do you need? You want to need these three people and go figure this out, or um, we're going to go do this and go that way. And they're going to bring it back in two weeks and we're going to take a look and see what happened. Sure. But we learn together by actually revisiting you know, the decisions we make, looking at the data, looking at the outcomes, and understanding what do we stop, start, and continue uh, on a regular basis. Because um, there might be a hundred opinions going into a decision, sure. there should be one shared coming out. And so we work really, really hard to find that kind of alignment and have, again, you know, you can't have 700 horses pull the cart in different directions. Yep. We're all going to be aligned, and that alignment is actually what makes us a team, right? All pulling in the same direction and going for the same goals. Right. Um, and so we work really hard on, again, how we, we do that. We train on how to um, do all the kind of things, provide feedback and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we have a very positive culture, you know, with practices where we model the behavior we want to see every day. You know, most big team meetings open or close with three to five minutes of appreciations where we thank each other, specific, you know, for the specific things we've seen each other do yeah. that made the team successful. And that's how we understand, you know, like what success looks like in our business. And that's how everybody... Uh, basic calls out, right? Um, the pay that we all 
collectively want to see and, and model. And um, and that's what that's how our team moves forward, right? That's uh, kind of kind of basic, but you know that's uh, those are some of the leadership and kind of management principles that we have. And if there's any kind of like single lesson I got, you know, from kind of this the entire journey and experiences of kind of built having built a few companies and you know uh, you know scaled them to to, to this point. Yeah. It's at the end of the day, you know, like no matter what your values, no matter what your mission, no matter what your vision is that you're trying to do as a team, there's, a, I think, one kind of overriding kind of value. I think that, you know, you really, you know, it is, you know, it's the most important, right, which is courage. Right? Sure. sure. You know, any of the values you got, you know, if you, if you don't have the courage to actually uphold them, yeah. if you don't have the courage to actually stand up. Right for those values and um, stand for something, and you know you, you don't really have kind of the foundation right for for anything that's enduring, and, um, and that's one of those things where I think you know like I say every place is about something. I think you know with Detroit in our backyard, in Detroit I would define as you know, people say call it grit and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know to be honest, I, I think it's a little bit different. I would call it courage. I think that you know folks who are in Detroit that had the courage to stick it out, the yep. courage to sort of live through. A lot, a lot of challenges, like like it's seen, have the courage to start something new, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, not be afraid, right? To to, to push forward, right? Right. Uh, when everyone else is, you know, uh, <laughs> called it. Um, I think that's that's the spirit, right? That's the spirit that we want to see. That's the spirit that if you if you're starting anything new and, and want to build a new business, you know, you, you need to find folks that are out for. They're not they're not scared of a bit of risk. Yep. They're out really for a bit of uh, adventure and treasure, I guess. <laughs> sort of like a pirate model of organization. Sure. And um, I think that's kind of what, you know, kind of what defines kind of what the spirit of Detroit is, right? Yeah. And that's what we look at Duo and kind of where we're from and our heritage and kind of what drives, you know, kind of our success. That's a lot of what I think defines us. Oh, yeah. And I like the fact that we mentioned earlier about one thing I didn't hear you say is about losing or having a, a, a philosophy of losing or failure, embracing failure. It, it, it's the learning that to me is, is there's learning in failure. There's learning in quote unquote losing. There is no losing. It's just that you're learning and you're growing at the same time. So you get to the win. And if you have another challenge, you just learn from it. And I think, uh, and, I, and now that you mentioned on the segue, I was going to ask you next, you and I talked a long time ago about, that connection. Cause for, for the folks out here listening, there there's, you know, Michigan is really as a state where we're getting in technology and new, new fields, but there's, there's a connection that was building here. And Doug and I talked about this, about how do we connect the two major cities between Detroit and Ann Arbor, because there's a lot of similarities there, but there's always been fragmentation in terms of connection. And so with that being said, like with, um, with you all making a presence in Detroit by ha- by setting up offices in Bamboo, Detroit, that's one way. It, it, it just was a was a great lift off, of, especially on this side. You know, in Detroit, that we really were excited about the whole thing because we knew that you know you your know, Duo's a great company. You're a great person. Your staff are great people. And for them, for you all to embrace connecting here and say we'll come and set up some things here in Detroit, it, it it's a it's a it's really a, a a great statement. I'd like to thank you for that. And so. In the question, next question I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask a few more questions, then we will be out of here. What What's your take on the whole entrepreneurship, tech, creative, and creative scenes in Detroit, Ann Arbor, and Michigan as a whole? You know, even 
maybe even possibly in the Midwest. What's what's your take on where we are now with that? Well, I think it's just worth a reminder for folks that don't know the full history of entrepreneurship in Michigan more generally. And this is an entrepreneurial state. Yeah. It's been that way since the very, very beginning, right? From the days of the you know, furs and traders to the logging industry, lumber industry, to even like the, the ice industry, which is kind of a funny thing. Yeah. Before commercial refrigeration, you know, we used to carve out ice blocks and put them in sawdust-covered uh, train cars, ship out. Um, you know, there, there's just a long history of, of innovation here. And like I say to my friends in Silicon Valley, I mean – you know, California creates lots of tech companies, sure. Yeah. But in Michigan, we've created a lot of industries, right? Whether it's those things or whether it's, you know, I mean, you name it. You know, all the, basically everything that has defined the, you know, kind of rise in the American middle class. Obviously cars. Yeah. But also furniture, right, on the west side of the state. Right. Or, uh, you know, pizza delivery, right? Right, <laughs> right, right. We invented here. Or, or car rental, right? We invented out of plenty. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, kitty litter. Right. It's, a, you know, it's funny that that's also been here. Like there's been so much cereal. I mean, so much basics. Right. Yeah. Of life. Right. Our, 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 our Michiganizations have been here for, 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 for quite some time. And we, we have a, again, history that I think we can't, uh, we can't, we really can't ignore. Right. When it, when it comes to looking at the future, what, you know, is possible. Right. Because there, there has been this history of innovation. A lot of what's come before us is still here. A lot of infrastructure, a lot of the talent, a lot of the money. Yeah. And I think the, the, the trick is just to make sure that we, we don't lose sight of those facts and we're able to kind of connect those dots forward. Because um, I think, you know, the, the, those resources, those resources are here. And particularly in Southeast Michigan, right? You know, there's just a tremendous legacy, right? We're only one generation removed from, you know, um, you know, Detroit being one of the largest cities in the U.S. And it still is yeah. one of the world's greatest cities. Yeah. my opinion. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot more to do, I think, and a lot more opportunity as we work to connect all the new things that are happening here um, and across the state to what's happening around the world. Sure. You know, manufacturing has become, again, uh, something that I think in decades past, we sort of, uh, the U.S. has sort of worked to kind of outsource. Um, I think that's coming back, right, in many ways. Sure. I think it's going back and they're very different too, right? Through automation and, you know, advanced manufacturing. And this, this state is still, you know, kind of headquarters, right? Of all that, yeah. given the, uh, you know, several trillion dollar auto industry and, you know, the long legacy of, of that kind of success. Yeah. It's also the case with technology, you know, technology is, um, you know, something that as we've seen, particularly in software, you can be successful with anywhere, right? Yeah. And here in the Midwest, right? You know, we, yes, we sold, you know, Duo. We've uh, acquired and have merged now with Cisco, or we will be, right? It's subject to close, but, you know, it's, um, you know, roughly $2.4 billion deal. You know, a buddy of mine down in Indianapolis, Scott Dorsey, sold his company for $2.4 billion, you know, years ago called Exact Target. And that became the cornerstone, really, of technology in Indianapolis and, yeah. and you know, kind of the rise of, of, of a lot of that community. I think we have a lot of that that's already here and, and it's come before us. All right. We can quick and loans. Yep. Is there even before quick and loans? Literally before then in the same building as CompuWare, right? Right. And uh, more broadly across this region, you know, you connected to Michigan, to Ann Arbor, which I do consider to be part of Metro Detroit. You know, it's only 35 miles away. You know, it's right. closer to Detroit than San, San Jose is San Francisco. We call that Silicon Valley. Right. Um, 
you know, Ann Arbor is, produces tons of companies, right? You look at the Ann Arbor New Tech Meetup, and there's five new companies every month. Right. You know, on average, we've had a company exit for, you know, about $200 million every single year. Wow. Right? In Ann Arbor for the last decade, for the last 10 years. And even before that, you had a whole legacy of companies, right? Technology, right? getting back to, you know, the hardware companies, like Ann Arbor Terminal, to so all the companies that were doing computer vision and everything else. So, you know, there's actually a long legacy of technology here. And I don't think people recognize that sometimes, right? right? Or the fact that the, the internet, right? Michigan was the foundation of the larger part of what became the commercial internet. We, you know, the state of Michigan, as well as IBM and ANS, they created the NSF Net, right? The National Science Foundation Network that was hundreds of universities yeah. right, using all these internet protocols. And when that merged with ARPANET, which everyone calls that, that was the original internet, though, you know, that was 12 schools or whatever, right? The, the NSF net, the hundreds of hundreds of you know, universities that are part of that that network, when it merged with ARPANET, that became the internet, and that was done here in Michigan. That's why we still have Internet Two here. That's why I have you know all this legacy of computing here, um, in Ann Arbor particularly. And so anyway, this is tremendous you know history, right? That, that you know comes you know uh, before us. Yeah. I think you know we honor, respect, learn from, and leverage. Right. And what is it we do now? Right. And uh, and I think that the biggest challenges for us right now, as we think about that, is 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 being thoughtful about the regionalism, right? Not not sort of drawing these divides and these lines between us, where I mean, strangely, there's like this invisible force field on like, like a 275, right, between you know, Ann Arbor yeah. and Detroit. Right. I don't get what that is. I mean, maybe we just need uh, well to break that down with things like you know regional transit, <clears throat> but I do think. I think that, you know, three things have to go hand in hand as we think about the future of our region, you know, Southeast Michigan, you know, development, affordability, and public transit. Sure. Those three things have to go hand in hand because any one of them can't work alone, right? And as you think about what it takes to, to build a growth that's equitable and a progress that benefits everybody, you know, we have to think about how those three things actually work together. Right. And so... You know, I, I'm a big believer, right? And you know, the idea that again, a, a strong Michigan requires a strong Detroit, right? Yeah. Detroit is our largest city. You know, it needs to be successful for this region and for the state to be successful. It is the home, right, of our largest industries. And I do believe that you know, uh, it has finally come back, right? You know, there were a few false starts I know for many years. Yep. People called out, but you know, by now it is uh, incontrovertible evidence, right? <laughs> Detroit is on its way back right. in a big way, and it is the most amazing, you know, comeback story, right? I think in sort of American history. Right. And so, you know, this is the place to be. This is the place to do it. These are the people to do it with. And I guess what I encourage everybody to think about is as we think about our collective future and success as a region, to have the courage and the belief, and the support in one another, that we can all do this together. Because that's the only way we get it done. Absolutely, absolutely. And on that note, what, what do you think in the next five or ten years, our connection, in, in just the tech scene as a whole, you know, Detroit and Auburn and state of Michigan, where do you think it's going to be? Well, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I can't, I'm not, I can't predict the future. Yeah. Um, but I think what I'd say is, um, well, here's what I, what I hope for. Right? What I hope for is that, you know, we... 
put aside some of our regional differences, you know, we, we still have, you know, particularly local leadership, right, in, in right. certain counties and so forth. Right. You know, continue to draw the lines between us. And I think, you know, that's got to go, right? That's an old and antiquated way of thinking. Yeah. That's, um, that holds all, us all back. And in this, in this day and age, you know, what we see are the rise of these kind of mega economies, right? I mean, Silicon Valley is just this massive, massive economy sure. that benefits by in ways that, you know, sort of unfathomable, um, you know, think that all that was just, you know, <clears throat> fruit orchards, right? <laughs> yeah, know, right. Decades ago. <clears throat> and so I think, you know, if you think about, you know, the future of this region, uh, I, I do believe we're going to see technology transform all of our lives. We already, ha- we already have, right? You know, how many of us are carrying around a device in our pockets, right, that's more powerful and better connected than any of our computers were, right, even, you know, seven years ago, right? Right. You consider that, you know, you know, technologies like, like social media and Facebook and so forth, right? They connect us and have changed our lives in ways that 10 years ago didn't exist right. at all, right? It's sort of, you know, the, the rate of technological change there is unbelievable. And um, it's coming next, right, to our physical lives. And we, we see it happening with mobility and transportation and everything else. Yeah. And this is the place, I think, where, you know, we have a unique opportunity to own that if only – if only we can get our, out of our own way to get help each other, right? Uh, claim that success because it should be ours, yeah. right? Between what exists, you know, in this region, um, from you know, you know, design on the west side of the state to you know, systems and software in, in Arbor to uh, networking to uh, you know, all automotive right? innovation <clears throat> and design that you know has happened in Detroit. I mean, this is this is ours to take. So, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think I, I see Detroit again being the, the engine of, of economic growth, innovation, not just for ourselves and not just for you know, Michigan, but for you know, for the U.S. and for the world at some point. Sure. Again, if we're able to, to make this work. Sure. And um, also, uh, the thing about Detroit, like what what led you all to uh, set up shop in ba- at Bamboo? I mean, what, what, how did that happen? Yeah, well, you know, we've been doing stuff with, you know, Amanda and a, and a bunch of you know, our friends in the city for a long time, many, many years, right? Whether it be, uh, you know, Monica stuff, Startup, Startup Week Detroit, or, yeah. uh, I mean, before that, we were doing like Tech Week Detroit, um, Detroit Entrepreneurship Week, um, you know, got involved with, uh, you know, Grand Circus, you know, my, my VP of Engineering and the Board of Hacker Fellows. I mean, we've always been close to the activities and <clears throat> community building up in the city. Because, um, again, it's been important to us in our success, right, understanding how, you know, we uh, tap into kind of a, a movement, right, that's happening that's larger than, than ourselves, sure. the wind behind ourselves. And so, you know, as we've uh, we thought about, like, where, where were we set up, right, long-term in the city, in a community in which we, uh, you know, we've always benefited from, um, you know, we want to be in a place again where it was the crossroads of that community. And I think Amanda and team have built, you know, an amazing and wonderful thing in Bamboo, uh, a place where, again, new things happen <clears throat> and new people, right, are supported. And that's what I think, you know, a city like Detroit really needs, yep. right? Yep. It needs new ways of thinking. It needs, you know, success, right, born of, of new people and new ideas. 
And um, again, I think bamboo has been a catalyst for a lot of that stuff in a way that, uh, you know, feels very similar to the way we've done things at, at Ann Arbor, right? Very grassroots, yep. very much bottom up, very much people first and all about the relationships because relationships matter. You know, yep. it's, it's not just the big companies and the big institutions, right? Um, it's, it's really, you know, things get done person to person. And that's what ultimately is, 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 is uh, you know, uh, opportunity that bamboo represents to us. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and being part of that community, I really uh, it's can attest to all of that because it's really been community oriented. like, that's the priority and people help each other out in ways that are just, I mean, people are forging relationships that probably otherwise they might not have been able to make. And it just, it's just convergence of everybody you know, pulling together. In fact, that's why, you know, this podcast is in existence because of the connection that Amanda and I had had, you know, and so you know, I'm just appreciative of folks like yourself being a part of that as well, because I think with this type of vehicle, people around the world can hear this and hear the energy through the audio of what we're talking about. Um, and then also what I hope for you as well, Doug, is because Dual has such a grounded culture and, and I hope that with the acquisition from Cisco that that, that continues um, are you still looking to do, uh, you know, regional work here, local work here, even though, even when the acquisition goes through? I mean, I know you probably are, but do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing changes here with, you know, because we're headed up with Cisco. I mean, the, the, the goal here with Cisco is that we attach ourselves to a larger platform for growth and, uh, and a partnership that allow us to, you know, not just transform, you know, kind of uh, our company or theirs, but you know, ultimately help transform this industry. And that's, that's really what reason we're doing this. I think what you, you see if we're successful is that there's a lot more um, to come here uh, for us and for all the communities in which we operate. Um, and, and certainly Michigan kind of being our headquarters and you know, our home, um, you know, this would be where I think we'll probably see the, the, the most of that uh, you know, lift and growth. But, but we'll see, you know, I think, you know, uh, you know we're, we are, we're very happy that you know, Cisco is committed right, to similar mission, vision, and values as we've got, um, you know, would have done this otherwise. And I think, you know, in that journey, we'll, we're going to have even more capability, more resources, more reach, right, to, to tell that story and help support it. So, Sure. Well, again, I say congratulations to you and the team for that, that, for that effort. And for folks listening, please uh, look up uh, some of the resources. I'm pretty sure you, know, you can go on any news site, Google search, uh, about Duo, and also Doug. Before we leave, uh, for more information on Duo and you and yourself, where can people reach out to you and the company? Yeah, I mean, we hope obviously you know more about the company is at Duo.com. It's a website, um, but we also have you know probably other places you know like follow us is on Twitter. You know, so you know Duo is at DuoSec D U O S E C dot uh, Duo on Twitter. Or, uh, or just, you know, you can follow me on, on Twitter as well. It's Doug Song, D-U-G-S-O-N-G. And, um, yeah, I'm always also reachable there, too, by DM. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's about all we have for you today. Thank you, all you out there, for listening. And I'd like to thank you, Mr. Doug Song, for being part of the Doers Network podcast. Really appreciate it. We had a great conversation. A lot of, a lot of good things we touched in this uh, 45 minutes, but I really appreciate you taking the time I know you've got a busy schedule, and I'm just glad you're a part of the podcast. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Don. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Doers Network.
where Aptists grow and thrive. Again, this is Donald Robinson II, your host. Thanks for listening. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Doers Network. As you've been listening to our interview with Doug Song, co-founder and CEO of Duo Security. For more information, you can go to Duo's website at www.duo.com. You can also look them up on social media. On Twitter, they're at DuoSec. That's at D-U-O-S-E-C. To get in contact with Doug directly, you can look him up on Twitter under at Doug Song. That's D-U-G-S-O-N-G. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Bamboo Detroit, located in the heart of downtown Detroit. Bamboo Detroit specializes in co-working space and amenities for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers. Bamboo Detroit, where we do more together because Detroit is for doers. We appreciate your support by subscribing to our podcast right here on the Doers Network. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Doers Podcast, where actives grow and thrive. The Doers Podcast is produced by Bamboo Detroit Network. For more information, visit us at bamboodetroit.com.